Last week we ended up talking about um, that we need how we need to uh, pull down every form of reasoning that's contrary or exalts itself against God's word, and to bring into captivity every thought so that it does not keep on fabricating. Um, it's like um, we can our minds can just go wild and and we can uh, be given words from the Lord quote unquote by others and run with that and our minds will run with it and what happens a lot of times is if you don't see it happening then we get impatient and impatience is in the soul realm isn't it and if you continue with that and run with that, those kind of thoughts, uh, you can give up on God. And a lot of a lot of Christians have given up on God before, and uh, and even to to this day, um, a lot of people are uh, out there saying, "Well, God, uh, God has led me to." to do this or to do that or to go here and to go there and when it really wasn't God it was it was their flesh and their soul wanting to go here and to go there uh, if God leads you somewhere then he's able to complete whatever he's desirous and and you won't if 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 your heart is for the Lord and and you are you know uh, by faith that he has led you somewhere then you need to be con- remain content with that. But how many times have you seen or heard people say, "Well, God has led me th- here, has has told me to do this or that or the other," and and it wasn't too long after that that they, they said, "Well, God led me somewhere else," or God has told me to do this now, and. Uh, you know, um, God does not change. And yes, He can lead you here and then He can lead you there. But He wants He wants more than just a leading. He wants us to be content found in Him. To be content and be found in Him and and not allow our minds, our soul to to take over. Um Sometimes we might say, well, nothing is getting any better. Well, the next question then would be, well, are you learning the Lord in it? So, so I want to take up, start off tonight. Um, let's turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. There is a lot of God told me this and God said this. We need to really be careful about that and make sure it truly is God and not just our minds and our soulish desires wanting to to go with that because then the enemy can come in real quick and influence that. Um, in Ephesians 4, verse 23... And that you be 
renewed in the spirit of your mind. Before that, in verse 22, it says that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Notice there in verse 22, you lay aside the old self. We talked the last time about we don't have to keep dying. Uh, we can reckon ourselves dead to sin. We reckon it. Um, we don't have to keep uh, crucifying ourselves. We are dead. Uh, when Christ died, I died. And here it says, just lay aside the old self. You know, just lay it aside. Just <laughs> consider yourself to be dead, but alive unto Christ. Put on the new self. Um, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. This uh, renewed in this, the spirit of your mind, that is the word pneuma for spirit there. And that doesn't mean... Uh, we're not, he's not talking about your spirit here, though. He's talking about the attitudes of your mind. The attitudes of your mind. It's a change or transformation of the mind. And this is done by the washing of the water of the Word. And not just the washing, though, but allowing it to remain. You know, we talked about engrafted. It's the word engrafted, which is able to save your souls. The uh, the word renewed there comes from um, a word meaning repetition and reversal. Repetition, intensity, and reversal. You know, it's sometimes, do you ever do you ever feel like that sitting in the school or in even, a, even the services, you're getting a lot of repetition about, you, you're hearing the cross over and over and over. You're hearing, uh, when Christ died, I died. That uh, Christ in you, the hope of glory. You're hearing this and you're saying, I got it, I got it, I got it. And then you walk out that door and you don't got it, you don't got it, you don't got it. <laughs> It's it's repetition. We need we need it uh, constantly because of the of the power of our soul. Man, will will just take over so quickly. Yes, and the world and its influences, and then there's the enemy to think about too, to not take lightly. Um. See Romans twelve two we looked at. Let's see. Turn there, but you might hold your place here. Yeah, Romans twelve verse two. 
It says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind. And we looked at that quite in depth last week, but it's the same same terminology here. It's in the same words um, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And we saw a progression there. Don't just stop at doing the good, but also the acceptable and perfect. We, we continue to grow in Christ daily, each day. Put on the new man. Back in Ephesians, chapter 5, look at verse, uh, look over in verse 26. Now, he, he, he starts this in verse 25 with husbands loving your wives, but then he says, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water in the word. The washing of, to be washed, we need to be washed by his living word. And see, it's, it, I know it's hard sometimes, it's hard just to sit down and, and read his word. And we can get mechanical in that, can't we? Where... Okay, and I can remember doing this. Um, okay, I need to read uh, five chapters of Psalms and one chapter of Proverbs, and in a month I'll be through both of them. And you can make a you can make a law out of that by saying, "I got to do this. I got to do this." So halfway through the month, you say, "Oh, I'm behind thirty chapters," <laughs> and just sit down and. And so I got to do it. So you just you're reading to read, and that's that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about just uh, getting in there and and asking the Holy Spirit to wash you with His Word, with the Living Word, and and that's what we need to be washed by the Living Word, whether it be a lot of verses or a lot of chapters or just a few. Um, let it uh, let it soak in and. Uh, so that it might remain. Now, in uh, in verse First uh, Thessalonians, chapter five, we've been to this verse quite a bit. Verse twenty-three. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit, soul, and body be preserved complete. Be preserved. We need the word uh, preserved in us so it remains fresh and good to the taste. You know, they, after they make preserves, you know, they seal them. Airtight. There's no escape. They're they're pure and they're 
they're so they're sealed so that no infirmities. I guess that's a good word. Can get in there. Germs. Washed and sealed. Now we've been sealed by the blood of Christ. Amen. We've been sealed and seated in Him in heavenly places. And that's our spirit, but we need our soul to be sealed too. We need to get it locked down in Christ. (laughs) To get to this place takes... um, Let's see, let me read this before I read it. Okay. To get to this place takes any other options out but to follow Christ and Christ only. There's no other options, is there? Um, you, we can't we can't say well we're we're totally following Christ when we're going down a different road. We're not totally following Christ then. Uh, oh, he's a he's a bit of our life, but yet we want him to be all of our life, totally. And so to be to be fully persuaded that what he has promised, he is able to perform. And so, see if we're if we're totally concentrating on him then those other options they are they are no longer options um, now let's spend a little time over in Matthew 26 is the is the Lord continuing to prune you Pruning is good. Matthew 26. Let's let's read through this and then we'll spend some time in it, beginning at verse um, 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, Zebedee, and began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he came to his disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, So you men could not keep watch with me for one hour. Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again a second time and prayed, saying, My father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, thy will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them again and went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Arise, let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. This uh, 
So we, we know this story, and we know that the, the place they were at was at Gethsemane. In Gethsemane, uh, the word means oil press or wine press. It comes from uh, two root words, um, gath, G-A-T-H, which you don't have to remember this, but you can write it down if you'd like. It's in the sense of treading out grapes, a wine press, and then, or a, a vat for holding the grapes and pressing them. And then, Sheman is another, is the second part. Um, it's a richness or an anointing. It can be a, a liquid, yes or ointment or oil, like olive oil. So it's, it's a, it's a, like, it comes, it's like, so then it's a wine press or oil press that is used for compacting so much until there's, there's liquid coming forth. And that's what grapes are made for, isn't it? I mean, they're good to eat, but I mean, they're, they're also for, for wine, and they have to be, there's a process involved. Therefore, Gethsemane can mean the pressing until liquid comes flowing out. Now, now hold your, hold, we'll hold this place here because we're coming back to it. And look at Proverbs 4 for a moment. Proverbs 4. Verse 23. Uh, Let's see here. Well, we'll start at 20. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their whole body. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. From the heart. From the innermost being flows the springs of life. And then in uh, Ephesians 2, verse 22, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. And so we know that that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. When we we come to Jesus, that's the the whole purpose of our our bodies here on this earth is to, to be the dwelling place of the Most High, to let the Holy Spirit dwell in us. And... And it's from deep within that these, this life flows out of us, isn't it? The true life. And, uh, and, and we know 
that our bodies are made up, that our beings are made up of spirit, soul, and body. And just as the physical tabernacle of God had the Holy of Holies, the holy place, and the outer court, so we have spirit, soul, and body. And so that was a, a representation, the tabernacle was, of what now is a reality that within us, the Holy Spirit dwells in the Holy of Holies in our spirit. But in the tabernacle, the glory of God came from the Holy of Holies, didn't it? There was a Shekinah glory there in the Holy of Holies. And thus the same glory of God comes from our spirits that have been united with the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and so it's from there, it's from this place, that rivers of living water flow out of. But the rivers of living water cannot flow out of our innermost being until our soul allows that. Okay? If, if you're, uh, and we've looked at all kinds of passages of how if the soul is in charge, there's not going to be any manifestation of, of the true life. There might be a glimpses of good Christian stuff, but it comes from the wrong tree. So, the rivers of living water come forth to bring the glory of God. So, in order for the rivers of the living water to come forth, there has to be a brokenness involved. There has to be a brokenness. There must be brokenness in the holy place, in the soul of man, in order for there to be life coming out. So it's a breaking forth of the outer. It's the breaking of the outer to bring forth the beauty of the inner. And and we, we've seen that in a seed falling into the ground. And that seed must die. That seed must allow the elements to crush it so that the beauty of the inner can come forth and be what it was meant to be. We'll be talking more about brokenness. Uh, but the purpose of brokenness is for the release of the precious issues from the spirit of man. So Jesus is in the garden. And here he's facing a reality that he hadn't had to face before. And... Uh, Let's look at Philippians, which is just a few pages over from Ephesians. Ephesians chapter, I mean Philippians 3. Paul caught a glimpse of this. Well, he, he did more than catch a glimpse of it. He, he was learning it. He says in verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. So how did, how did Jesus suffer? Well, most people equate it with, uh, well, he died on the cross. But was that all there was to it? We know that it wasn't. So let's turn back to uh, Matthew 26, 
and look at this in more detail. Can anybody tell me how long he was in the garden? Praying. Three hours. He was in there three hours. Now, I don't know if you've ever tried to pray a straight hour. (laughs) In fact, there was a movement some years ago where you prayed an hour a day. And it became a religion. (laughs) Became a denomination. So, uh, but it was probably taken from this, this passage about praying an hour. But first off, let's look at what took place the first hour. And that begins in verse 37. And he took with him Peter and the sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed. What area does that come from? Being grieved and distressed. Yeah, that's the soul, isn't it? So Jesus had a soul. Okay? And he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. So he went a little beyond them and fell to his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as thou will. So we see here that all of a sudden, the will of Jesus shows up, a soulish will. Now, this isn't, this isn't a sin, remember. We're not calling this a sin, but it just shows that Jesus was a real person, a real human being on the earth. He, he went through the things that we go through, and that's why we can call him a high priest, our high priest, because he understands the things that we go through. And so here he says, his will is to let this cup pass from me. And now this is for an hour that he's in agony. And and immediately though he says, but not as not as I will, but as thou wilt. In the King James it says, um, he he says, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. He was sorrowful and his soul was very heavy. And so he prays earnestly. I mean, it wasn't just a just a little thing for him, was it? Um, and he's, but I th- the main point here is the fact that we're seeing a, in his soul realm that he has a will to that he would like this cup to pass, but he's still staying with the Father, isn't he? And so Jesus was giving his self life, his soul life unto death totally. This is the reality that he was entering into here. He knew that the the father knew the timing and knew the place. He had all that prepared ahead of time. 
But as he was getting closer to the cross, the reality of the fact that his soul was going to go into death totally. And that, that's a reality that, that hits us all. The pressure was so great that, that he sweat drops of blood. In Leviticus 17.11, we saw that the life or the soul of the flesh is in the blood. The soul of the flesh is in the blood. Um, look at, hold this place and look over in Isaiah 53. 53, verse 12. <clears throat> verse 12 of Isaiah 53 says, Therefore I will allot him a portion with the great, And he will divide the booty with the strong because he poured out himself to death. He poured out his soul to death. That's the word nefesh. And uh, it is soul. It's the same word as, remember, when Adam became a living soul. He poured out his soul unto death. And we know that for 33 years, Jesus had been about his father's business. Uh, and um, he just operated by the will of the father. He says that in John 5.30. And uh, there was a never, there was, there, up to this point, there had never been an indication that there was any other will but the father's. He only did the will of the father. He was only about the Father's business. Here at Gethsemane, he speaks in a way that shows that he has a will also himself. He wasn't a clone. He wasn't a robot. He had a choice. And obviously we know he couldn't have taken his will. He couldn't have gone that route. But it is displayed here. Um, look in verse 39 we saw that so then he then continuing on so he finds his disciples sleeping after the first hour and then he says to Peter so you men could not keep watch with me for one hour keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak so then he goes again. Now, this is for the second hour. He says, My father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, thy will be done. So it's like there's a progression here. I mean, it's not even, he doesn't even bring up his will now. He just says, Hey, if it can't pass away, then thy will be done. Um, he does. He says, "Oh, my father, in the King James, if it is po- if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as Thou wilt." Um, death means extinction of self. 
Okay? As you get older, you'll think about it more. <laughs> and uh, it is the strongest area of the soul. Extinction of self, that is. Is the strongest area of the soul because self-preservation is the strongest force of man in the earth today. Self-preservation. You see that in animals. You get you get them cornered. Even a little little bug, they'll rise up at you. Extinction. Um, fear of death. It will use all its ramifications. Speaking of the soul, such as defenses, excuses and all other protective mechanisms. Um, and that's the soul, self, self-preservation. And so Jesus was getting, ready of, was getting ready of losing the individual identity completely and absorbing into God through death, burial, and resurrection. And remember, he was, he was spirit, soul, and body here on this earth. And... In uh, John chapter 14, you can hold this place. We can look at John 14. I think, hang on just a second. No, John 17, yeah. John 17, verse 22. Speaking to his father here. And the glory which thou hast given me, I have given to them that they may be one just as we are one. This word oneness is just very unique. The only way to be one with the father is to be not in and of ourselves. To not have any other identity but in Christ. That they may be one just as we are one. This is uh, an example is by marriage. When a couple are married, um, basically they lose their individual identity. Um, You know, most people see me as... Jim Allen, husband of Carolyn Allen, and vice versa. Not as, not as an individual, which is okay. This is the only way of fulfilling a, a total uniting is by uh, death to self. Just to to get over it and just come into Christ. A total uniting. We will only fulfill this by coming to the end of ourselves and allowing His Spirit to absorb us into Him while we walk on this earth. We're in the world, but not of it. Coming into that understanding. and Coming into that... Uh, Revelation, um, 
and let's see, one more passage back in John 14, verse 9. Jesus said to them, him, speaking to Philip, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. That is, that's what you call union, oneness, isn't it? See, that's how, that's how Jesus saw himself even as he walked on the earth. He and his father were one. The, the words that he spoke were not his. The works that he did were not his, but the father, because he was one with the father. And yet, he was spirit, soul, and body, so he was... He was individual in that he had a, he had an individual personality. That's the way God made him, the Father. Jesus uh, fulfilled uh, three areas that Jesus fulfilled in the Father was the will of the Father, the works of the Father, and the words of the Father. It would it would be wonderful if the church was would do that today. <laughs> the words, the works, and the will of the Father. And I, I think a a lot of that is, well, most of that is is recognition or an understanding of who we truly are in Christ Jesus. Um, you are not you uh, as you were. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. You have been, uh, you have brought been brought into Him, and now it's no longer you, but Christ in you, the hope of glory. You are not who you used to be, and see, we have to, we have to have our minds renewed to that. Put on the mind of Christ. He didn't have any problems saying that. Everything he did was was his father. He didn't have any problem with that as he walked this earth. And remember, he didn't use any super... Uh, he didn't use his godly uh, abilities. He was a man. And so he got tired. He got hungry. He got... I'm sure he he got frustrated, but that did not rule his life. He he only did that which the Father told him. And so identity is a big thing in our lives. And our identity is in Christ Jesus. Those passages, John 6.38, he said he does the will of the Father. He only does the will of the Father. And John 14.10 speaks about the words and the works of the Father. Now, let's look at uh, John chapter 10 a moment. John chapter 10, beginning at verse 10. The thief 
comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and might have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, we've looked at this before, and we, we know that in verse 10 that that he came that, that we might have his life. That's Zoe, the good life, the eternal life, but might have it abundantly. He doesn't hold back any of his life, of his abundant life, does he? When we got it, we got it all. He, did, he didn't just give us a, 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 little, uh, a little piece of the, of the dessert <laughs> and say, if you're good, you'll get some more. That's, that's what we do. <laughs> if you recognize me, I'll let more of Christ come forth. No. He came that, that they might have life and might have it abundantly, uh, super abundantly. Uh, there's probably not even a, a good word for that, the, the abundance of his life that we have. And the problem that we have is we keep that abundant life hidden in our spirit and our soul keeps it from coming forth as rivers of living water. It's, and and that's, that's the only thing is that we're allowing our soul to lord over our spirit. And the spirit man is desirous to come out. Um, verse 17. For this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. He lays down his soul. He doesn't he doesn't live by self. He doesn't live by self preservation. They they did everything they could against his soul. They did it all. Satan himself did it all. All that he could to cause the soul to rise up and take control and didn't have any success with Jesus. Yeah. He because he chose to lay his soul down. And then uh, verse 18, no one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my father. So he had the authority to lay it down, and he has authority to take it up. But he didn't do anything uh, of his own will. So, um, let's see here. Now back to Matthew 26. We'll go a little further in this. Except we'll look at verse, we'll go back a little further, verse 7. I think it's verse 7, let me see. Ah, yes. 
A woman came to him with an alabaster vial, a very costly perfume, and she poured it upon his head as he reclined at the table. And uh, here we have this very costly perfume that was in a vessel. And it, it would be nice to put the vial up on the, up on the fireplace mantle and say, what a pretty vial, and it has such a wonderful perfume in it, a wonderful fragrance. But if you never open the, you, you never either break it open or open it, you'll never know what is inside. And so she poured it upon him, and, and it was a wonderful thing that she did. Um, in order for there to be the true fragrance that's pleasing to the Father, the out, outer must be broken. It's got to be broken. Um, so that the inner fragrance of Christ can come forth. It's not I but Christ. And, you know, that's a, that's a nice saying, isn't it? But then there's the walk. <laughs> there's the daily walk that... Is the is the daily walk lining up with the talk? So it's not a one time happening, but it's a daily ha- life. So we go back to uh, Gethsemane, meaning the wine press, and we saw the first hour where he actually revealed that he had a will, and. Um, and then the second hour, we read that. And by the time the third hour comes around, verse 43, And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them again and went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. And then after the third hour, and you know, it, it may have not taken three hours, but in three occurrences, he comes back. Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. So he went back and he prayed a total of three times for a period of time. We know the first one was definitely for an hour. And, uh, and he went back to the Father to prepare and give, make sure his soul was ready to deny self and to be about the continue about the father's business because he was going to be facing a tougher test than he had ever faced before and Jesus was willing to take as much time as he needed to cause his soul to come under the authority of his father he was willing to do that um, and in verse 41, he gives us the key to hand, how to handle Gethsemane. He says, keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. Watching and praying. Yeah.
Well, sure, and I, and that I'm sure took place even before this, where he prayed much. He he spent time with the Father, and uh, would go off by himself. And you know, we don't know all the occurrences, <laughs> uh, but he spent a lot of time with his with the Father, and uh, you know it. Uh, we yeah, we have no clue. As to, you know, all the stuff that went on even prior to this, the things that he faced. You know, he uh, he didn't, he never sinned. He never uh, opened his mouth for retaliation. There weren't, there weren't even the, he didn't go with any thoughts. He cast them down, anything that would rise up. Um, but, you know, I'm sure that he healed people and they... They were ready to turn right around and crucify him, you know. And and just think of ourselves, you know. We do a kindness to someone, and then a day later they they do something against us. And you know what are our, what does our soul do? <laughs> See. And so he was well aware of the flesh, though, how weak the flesh was. Yes. think that's key he chose it was his choice because he did have it he did have a choice and uh, he spent but he did spend time he watched and he prayed also and he knew that that the disciples needed to spend time and watch and pray and he was grieved we see here that that he was grieved because he saw that they couldn't stay awake they couldn't stay and watch and pray um and so, in fact, it looks like he got a little perturbed at him. <laughs> um, and so, a couple of things here. He says, he says, watch and pray. And we all have our Gethsemanes, don't we? We must watch and pray so that we do not enter into temptation. And a couple of things here. We, he said, the wording there is that that ye may not enter into temptation. And then look at uh, look at James chapter one. James one. Verse. Um, well, we might start. Yeah, verse two. Yeah, the King James says, 
My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations. All right. Uh, in the uh, New American, it says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials or temptations. So there's a there's the entering into temptations, and there's the falling in falling into temptations. And there's a big difference there, isn't there? When you think about the the wording. When you enter into something, it's like entering into that door. You have full knowledge that you're going through it. Okay? Now, you may not know what's on the other side. But you are acting out of your soul to, to enter into that door. But when you fall into something, you have no knowledge. It's not, it's not by an act of your will that you... When you at times, when you fall into something, when you fall into diverse temptations. So that's without your knowledge. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of times that we enter into temptation and we're, we're guilty, you know. We knew that we shouldn't go in to open that door. We knew that we shouldn't... Um, uh, we shouldn't have opened it up and allowed ourselves the, to be uh, exposed to it. And, uh, and so uh, he, his instruction here, here was for them to watch and pray that they might not enter into temptation. Now, you think about what, they, what was coming up. We see, the, we see what happened with Peter immediately when he got taken. When Jesus got taken, Peter's soldiers rose right up, and he was going to save the world. He was going to, he was going to be about God's purpose and help him out with it by not allowing Jesus to go to the cross. And then, then we continuing on, they all they all split. And and Jesus, you know, with all the time that he spent with them, you know that he said, "Hey." God's in total charge. My father's in total charge. Have faith. Don't worry. Don't let your souls take charge. And so here in the last hours in the, the wine press, three times he comes to them and he tells them, stay awake, stay alert, watch and pray so that you don't enter into temptation. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> That's right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
That's right. The soul, the soul acts between the two, between the, the body and the, and the spirit. And so if our soul doesn't come under our spirit, it's just going to be carnal, fleshly. And, uh, and so, yes, even, uh, even throughout his ministry with the disciples, you know, there's, a, there's several occasions there when he, he told them right out that he wasn't going to be with them very much longer. Well, he, must, he probably told them if, if once or twice a thousand times preparing them so they would not become, go berserk once he left and, and in the way that he left. And so we need to take heed to his words here and, and watch and pray that we don't enter into temptation. Uh, when you fall into a temptation, it's the enemy has set something up, basically. Um, because it's without your knowledge. If you know that the enemy has set something up for you and you love Jesus, you're not going to fall into that. You But you can enter into it. You know, it's like uh, just real simple. You, um, you love Jesus and... And you're driving up North I-35, and there's an adult video up there. Well, you don't enter into that. I mean, that's that's very obvious. But there's some less obvious things. But we, when we enter in, we enter into temptation. That's with our knowledge. But the good news here is it doesn't really matter which way. The temptation comes. God's provided a way out. See, we may totally blow it and we enter into temptation, but God's provided a way out. And if we fall into it, God's provided a way out. But as I said, it's better to, it's a better course to fall in it rather than to enter into it. so we need to set a watchman over our soul and uh, let the living word of God bring rest into our souls and receive it with meekness. Receive it with meekness. Another thing, remember when in the wine press in Gethsemane, it was there that, that Jesus sweat drops of blood. And we talked about um, the... Uh, the beauty, the fragrance. Uh, he he was at he was praying heavily. <laughs> His soul was coming under the wine press to such a degree that the result was blood coming out from his forehead. There was a big battle going on there, wasn't there? There was a great battle. And the soul lost out. Praise the Lord. Now we're going to understand. We're going to spend a little time understanding a little bit more the soul, or the suki realm. We know quite a bit about it so far. Um, we know that the soul is the seed of man's personality. And I mentioned earlier that, but it is. 
it is not the real you any longer. Yes, you have a personality. Yes, you are set apart. God doesn't want robots that are all the same. Um, He doesn't want clones. But the real you is the spirit man. Now, you know, how do people identify themselves? Well, um, you, uh, if you watch the Wheel of Fortune and the introductions, well, I'm a, uh, I'm a teacher, and uh, I have a, a wonderful wife, or a tremendous wife, or a stupendous wife, and and that's a way of, of uh, identity, uh, of getting people to know you quickly, but. The true you now is that you're, you're with Christ. Christ is, is living in you, and you're no longer who you used to be. There's no going back to that and living that way. There's, there's not. You've been delivered. And, and you are now seated with him in heavenly places in the, in the legal sense. And that's sealed. And that's your identity. It's not, well, now I've got Christ living in me and I'm trying to be better. You know, I'm trying to live the Christian life. Gag me with a fork. <laughs> you, can't, you can't try to live the Christian life. You, you, you live it. You let, and it's not about you. The real you brings forth Christ through your personality. The real you allows the, uh, is the vessel that houses the living God. And the vessel it was made for that purpose. So he, he loves your vessel. Don't hate the vessel, the body. Um, and the soul is not to have dominion over the earth, but the spirit. Remember way back we talked about dominion and authority. And so, therefore, our souls are to wait until our spirits have communed with God and know the will of the Father, and the spirits communicate that to the soul. And then it's worked out through the soul outwardly. Yes? gets out of whack, it doesn't work right. It's not functioning the way it's supposed to. Um, the uh, And we'll see that, that this isn't a hard process by any means. I mean, uh, you don't have to sit, watch, and stand or wait and watch and pray if if and see if you're supposed to go to work that morning. Okay? Or if you're supposed to turn right at this stoplight. 
you know, it's, it's not, not like that. Uh, but the real you brings forth Christ through your personality. And uh, our soul hears from the Spirit and submits to that. Submits to it. And we have to remember also that, you know, God speaks to us through our spirit. Speaks to our spirit. And and so he reveals his will to our spirits. Not to our soul. Um, Ephesians chapter 6. Yeah. Ephesians 6, verse 6. Not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Doing the will of God from the, from the heart, meaning from the innermost being. Um, but that is, that word there for heart is soul. Doing the will of God in the heart, in the soul, from the soul. That's where the will's done, the will of God. You carry it out in your soul realm. But he's, he speaks to your spirit to give you the information. And the soul submits and carries out the will of God. Um, Jesus said, not my will, but thy will. So he submitted, his soul submitted to the spirit of God, which dwelt in him and carried out the will. And it's like um, you're in a place and and the Lord speaks to you and says, that person over there is needing a word of encouragement. Well, the first thing that happens is your soul goes berserk. I don't even know that person. I don't even think I like that person. But then you, you've learned to say no to your soul and say, well, if it's, if it's the Spirit of God speaking to me, then not my will, but thy will be done. And so then your, your soul submits, communicates it to your body to get up and walk over there and give an encouraging word or pray for the person. And that's just an example of the way it works. You're sensitive because of the Spirit of God that lives in you. You're sensitive by His Spirit. It's not a, it's not a nice sensitivity that you have always had and that you are a nice person. No, you're, the new, you're a new creation and you hear from God and you go in faith in, in whatever way God directs you. But your soul says... Oh, not my will anymore, but thy will. And that goes with everything that we do now.
Matthew uh, 16. Matthew chapter 16. Verse uh, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life, his soul, shall lose it. But whosoever loses his soul for my sake shall find it. For what will a man be profited if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in glory, in the glory of his Father. And uh, the, the main point of that is they, the, the word life and soul are interchanged here, but it's all suki. It's all the same word. He's talking about the soul. So... Um, Whoever wishes to save his soul, his life, you'll lose it. And if you are willing to lose your soul or life for his sake, you'll find it. And, and, and you see here, um, Jesus isn't, isn't wanting to take away from you. He's wanting to add to. See, that's the problem that with our thinking and, and the world thinks. The world says... Well, you're losing and giving up so much. You're giving up the comforts of the world. Well, so be it. <laughs> for, for, your, for your measly 60, 70, or however many years that you can enjoy the, the treasures of the world, of the earth, in exchange for eternity. See? But... but the the world and what it has to offer gives us the gives us the mindset that and the way we've been raised too that we're giving everything up and we're giving so much up the comforts of life well maybe not it may not come to that but there's so much more and so so he and, and he even brings the world in here, doesn't he? He gains the whole world. You can have it all. You can have the riches that Solomon had at his fingertips. And he just said, vanity of vanities. You know, learn from one who, <laughs> who's been through it. That's the way I always looked at it. I said, man, if Solomon got all that he wanted and he said it's still vanity, why pursue that side that way? Why well, go that route? That's, I just want—I just want God. I just want the Lord. Um, but it's interchangeable here. You know, in the in the uh, so-called Christian world, carnal Christian world, they will not interchange those two those words. They they don't like to bring the soul into this thing and say deny yourself the comforts of life. They don't. So, um, it's not a popular message out there. Uh, Look in uh, 
Let's look at verse 24 again. If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself. Deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Ladies, you're included in this. <laughs> deny himself. This is not the same as self-denial. Okay? He's not saying self-denial. He's saying deny self. It's a big difference there. To deny self means to deny my soul the right to live, to move, to have my being independently. I don't have that right any longer. I mean, I can, I can, I can self be in self denial for all I want, but that's not the same as denying myself the right to live independently of God. He's saying there to to deny your independent living from God, taking up the cross. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, but the fact is, the reason we're all here is because our souls living randomly mm-hmm. to your own will. Yeah. That's right. And this is why we're here. This is why we're seeking the Lord. This is why our hearts are crying out. And this is really salvation. Yes. It's really freedom. It's really life. And it's not. It really is. Yes. Right. It's a narrow path. That's right, and that's that's a good way to put it. That, yes, John. Right. Yeah. Now, a couple of things that wrong concepts. Um, Jesus went to the cross, and and with him, we went with him, didn't we? And were dead and died. And and we hear the terminology. This is my cross. Well, what is your cross? His cross. It's his cross. Woo-hoo. Not your cross. So, for instance, um, maybe what you're going through right now, you say, well, this is, this is my cross. It's horrible. It's just the most horrible thing in the world. And this is my cross. The, cr- the purpose of the cross was, was death to self to self and independent living. When 
when Jesus died on the cross and he rose, he broke the bondage that we have to be independent of God. There was no choice before that. We were, we were severed from, from God. Um, and so the, the, the cross is, is the denial of self and, and the right to live independently. So that, whatever that means, that doesn't mean that, for instance, let's say, um, just an example. Well, let's see here. I'm at this job. I'm at this job and I hate it. So that's my cross. No, the cross that you have is that you don't live independent from God. If he's put you there, you're in Christ. And the job's not the cross. The you're abiding in Christ where you're at, and you're denying yourself to to have its own way, and so you abide where He puts you. If you're if you think your cross is being here at Acts, if God puts you here, you don't want to be independent of God. You want to be about your Father's business, and so, um, and and the same thing can go can be for someone we, we have several people that we know who are hurting physically they're hurting physically and the word of god says by his stripes i'm healed well we do we believe that or not the fact that they're sick that's not their cross god doesn't do that but you say not my will thy will be done i will abide in you and i will wait and i will watch and i will trust god in the midst of this and so it's it's not not letting self have his own way, and um, and so that's back to Gethsemane. You know, Jesus said, "Not my will, but Thy will be done." I will go to the cross for you, Father, because I am one with you, and I do this uh, for the glory of God. I do it for the glory of God. Um, let's see. Paul said he died daily. He died daily. In other words, he reckoned himself dead on, on a daily basis so that he would not live unto himself. No matter what, remember, he said, not, no matter what state I'm in, I will not live for myself. He could be, he could be in, a, in an abundance, or he could be in, in the pits. But whatever he did, he did for the glory of God. So, so we're not saying that you have to live without. Uh, we're not saying that God can't bless you with an abundance of food or abundance of this or that. But whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Don't don't let. It go to your head to the degree that, man, look at me. That isn't right. Um, and let's see, we're winding down here. Uh, Luke 9, for this session, chapter 9. Oh, yeah. This is the way Luke puts it. In verse 23, if anyone wishes to come after me, 
let him let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. It's a daily thing, isn't it? A minimum daily. The cross of Christ meant death. Our cross, our so-called cross, means death to self and an independent life from God. Deny the soul man, his wanting to live independently. His wanting to live independently. I think we'll stop there, and next week I'm going to give you a, a summary of scriptures for the soul. And then we'll look at, we'll start out looking at controlling the soul. Would you like to learn some more on how to control your soul? <laughs> that's, that's something that's needful, isn't it? Let's pray.